we are continuing our series on the miracles of Jesus. How many of you enjoyed last week? Yeah, where Pastor Amos did an amazing job of just um, bringing us into the theme and bringing us into the way that we are viewing the miracles in this particular series. And today I turn you to Luke chapter 5. Go with me, if you have your Bibles, you go to Luke chapter 5. I want to read for you verse 17 to 26. It's a familiar uh, miracle, but I like to just um, allow us to um, explore some of the things that are in there, okay? Luke chapter 5, verses 6, 17 to 26. Let me read this beautiful story for you. One day, Jesus was teaching, and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, and they had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him to the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and then lowered him on his mat through the towels into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and he asked them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier? He asked them this interesting question, which is easier to say that your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and they gave praise to God. They were filled with awe. And then they said, we have seen remarkable things today. We have seen remarkable things today. Lord, I pray this morning that you open our eyes to see your truth. And I pray that, Lord, you will renovate us from the inside out as we allow this narrative to speak to us. God, we thank you that your word is alive and active it is sharper than a double-edged sword and you can divide between soul and spirit, bones and marrow. And I pray that your word will instruct us and inspire us this morning. God, may you bring us to that place once again where we are no longer talking miracles away from our life, but we can believe that we serve a miracle-working God. And may you help us to see where your heart is in all of this, in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen. There was a tangible bus in the air because Jesus is preaching again in Capernaum. Now remember that this was the place where Jesus actually experienced tremendous breakthroughs. It was the place where he found his disciples. It was the place where he first saw crowds beginning to follow him. It was the place where signs, wonders and miracles first begin to break out. And because of that, um, in Luke chapter 5, verse 17, in fact, so much was happening. There was so much excitement in the air that Luke 5, 17 says the power of the Lord was present to heal. And no wonder great crowds were gathered all, from all over to hear this famous preacher. 
and the Bible tells us that it was so crowded that there was no standing room in the house. So everybody crowded in and it was packed. And then Jesus began to preach and the people were listening attentively just like we are this morning. But suddenly there were four men that came carrying their paralyzed friend on a mat and they were anxious to actually get their sick friend to Jesus. I was thinking perhaps, you know, they, they used to be on the same footy team, but now this friend can no longer play. So they, by hook or by crook, they got to get Jesus to pray for this friend. But the problem is this, the crowd was so thick, they couldn't even get through. And the ushers won't even let them in because they were late, okay? Therein is a message already. No. <laughs> so what then did these four men do? Did? What, what, what did they do? Now, most of us would have given up, right? In a situation like that, you know, the crowd is too, too thick, you know, there are too many people. I've got this very difficult situation. But these guys was different. They were intense. They were a different kind. They were determined and they were unstoppable. So what did they do? They went up to the, to the roof. They broke the roof, broke a hole, interrupted the meeting, created a commotion, and then lowered their friend into the house on a mat. Okay, can you imagine this? Huh? Imagine I'm preaching now and, and then suddenly plaster starts falling from the, from the ceiling and then a hole appears and then a stretcher comes down with this paralyzed man on it. You know, I, I can imagine John Tan freaking out already. You know? <laughs> Definitely more dramatic than a crying baby or a phone ringing. You know, you talk about capturing attention. I think this one takes the cake. It's a very interesting story. Now, there are so many angers that we can explore this narrative. We can actually see this story through the lens of the four friends who refused to give up on their needy friend. We can also view this uh, story through the, through the narrow-minded religiosity right, of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Uh, what about looking at this story through the amazement of the crowd? who actually declare at the end, we have seen remarkable things. There's so many angles to look at this story. But this morning, what we want to do with this is that we want to view this story through the lens of wanting to know who Jesus is through this story. Okay, because that's the whole theme of our series on miracles. What does this story reveal about our Lord Jesus? And I want to outline three things for you that I see about Jesus through this story. Number one is this. I learned through this story that Jesus has compassion for the needy personally. He's personally compassionate towards people who are in need. Are you in need this, this morning? If you are, I want you to know Jesus feels for you personally. You know, as the, when this whole saga started to unfold, I could picture the Pharisees and the religious type freaking out. They must be shouting, you know, stop, stop. This is out of line. This is a church, not a rock concert. You can't do this. You are actually disrupting the anointing. You are breaking the flow. I think the people there could be irritated by the interruption. They could be angry with the irreverent ways of these four guys. They could be upset with all the dirt and the debris that is now filling the house. But Jesus saw beyond all that mess and he looked into their hearts of faith. He looked into their hearts of faith. And then compassion began to weld up within him and he went on to actually heal this paralyzed man. And I think this is consistent throughout the scriptures concerning our Lord Jesus, isn't it? 
He is a person of great compassion. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Our Lord Jesus have compassion for those who are lost, for those who are helpless. Matthew 14, 14. Here's another one. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them. And then what do you do? He healed their sick. Jesus had compassion, not just to those that are helpless. He also had compassion towards those who are sick, those who are weak. Take a look at Matthew 15, verse 32. Jesus called his disciples to him and then he said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and they have nothing to eat. I do not want them to, send away, to, to be sent away hungry so that all they may collapse on the way. What does this tell us? It tells us that Jesus has compassion even to those that are physically in need. Now you put all that together, what do you see? We actually see a, a Jesus as compassionate towards all kinds of needs. Physical, emotional, spiritual. Take a look at Matthew 20, verse 34. Jesus had compassion on them, referring to two blind men, and touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight, and they followed him. Jesus had compassion towards the, 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 the physically sick. And he touched them, he healed them. Man, these two blind men were being pushed aside by everybody else, but Jesus had compassion towards them. And you put all that together, this is the God that we serve. Can we say amen to that? What a wonderful God. As the psalmist declared in Psalms 86 verse 15, but you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. You know, as I read through Matthew and I pick up all these things, it suddenly dawned on me that most of the miracles in the Bible actually happen in the context of compassion. In an atmosphere of compassion is where you can expect to see the greatest manifestation of God. It's because we serve a God who is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And in that atmosphere of compassion, I've seen more miracles happen than anything else. So if we don't feel, if, we don't, if we're not compassionate towards people in need, we're not likely to see many miracles. We need the compassion of God. And this is the God that we serve, a God of great compassion. Here's the second thing I discovered. Jesus not only has passion and compassion, he also has the power to act, the power to heal holistically. We serve a God who has a power to heal holistically. Um, I went to speak in a series of church camp last June, and which is my practice. Every June, I go uh, to speak for different church camps because that's the holiday season. And during one of these church camps, it was a brethren church. There was a, a lady that came up to me. It's, a, it's an old friend. I recognized her because she, was, she used to be the, the, the youth pastor of that church. And she came up to me and he reminded me of what happened several years ago when I last spoke at their church camp. So this is, this 
this was a repeat invitation. But a few years before, when I was um, speaking at that church camp, at that time, she was actually suffering from depression. You know, and for a few years, she has been going to, for help uh, to doctors and all that, and she was on medication, but she just can't break out of it. And it, it was just there, and she came to the camp with all of that, and the whole church knew about it. And there was an altar call that was given in that camp a few years back, and she came up for prayer, and I was just praying for people throughout, uh, throughout the thing. You know how ministry is, right? We just go from person to person. Sometimes I don't even remember what I said and what I do. And... She reminded me of what happened because I came up to her and it was so many people. I need to pray for so many people. So we just quickly moved from one person to another. And I came to her. All I said to her was this. I said, sister, I see a dark cloud over your head. And I said, I'm going to break it in Jesus' name. So we took authority and break that dark cloud over her head in Jesus' name. She, and then I moved on to the next person. She collapsed to the floor. But when she got up, she was completely healed. And after that, she was off medication, she was off everything. It was just one of those strange, uh, rare things. It was a miraculous moment. And God just encountered her. She was completely set free. And then now she comes back years later to tell me, I'm still free and I'm still healed. And I thought about that and said, Jesus actually has the power to heal, not just physically, but even mentally. And Jesus has the power to heal holistically, spiritual, spiritually, emotionally, every aspect. And one of the main reasons why so many flocked to hear Jesus was because the power of the Lord was with Him to heal the sick. And we can't, we can't run away from that. That was right there. And this was true then, and I think it's still true now. And this is very understandable because no one likes to be in pain. No one enjoys being sick, right? And that's why healing evangelists are still filling stadiums today because these are real felt needs that people go through. And that was why these four friends actually risked their life and limb to actually get their paralyzed friend to Jesus. But can you imagine how disappointed they must have felt when Jesus saw what they did? And then the first thing Jesus said to them was this, friend, your sins are forgiven. I can imagine the four friends going, duh, that's not the point. <laughs> you know, that's not the point. Can't you see what's wrong here? You know, my friend's problem is not his sins. My friend's problem is his sickness. But Jesus' response really unveils something for all of us. It shows us that our Lord Jesus has the power not just to heal physically, but He wants to heal us holistically. Hello, you with me? He don't just want to heal us physically. He wants to heal us totally, holistically. And He did not just want to heal us in our body, but He also wants to heal us in our soul. And of course, the reverse is also true. As much as Jesus wants to heal us physically and emotionally and, and holistically and spiritually and everything, the reverse is also true. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said, Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but they cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. In other words, fear this God. He's the God who, is, who has control, not just over the material, but also the immaterial. 
He's in control, the total man. See Hebrews 10, verse 26 and 27. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we have received the knowledge of the truth, then no sacrifice for sins is left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and a raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. And what Jesus is making, the point that Jesus is making here in Luke chapter 5 is that He has the power over both the material and the immaterial part of man. Our Lord Jesus desires wholeness for man, spirit, soul, and body. That's why 3 John 1-2 says, right? Dear friends, I pray that you may enjoy good health, yes, physically, but all may also go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. See, Jesus placed a great emphasis actually on the unseen, don't miss this. As the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.18, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporal, but what is unseen is eternal. Yes. See, and we, we cannot miss this. The emphasis that Jesus placed on the unseen, not just the seen. See, but does Jesus have the power to heal us physically? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Does he care about those who are physically sick and weak? Totally. There are so many occasions throughout scriptures where we see him healing all kinds of sicknesses and diseases and we must not turn away from that. We don't talk ourselves like the song says. We cannot talk ourselves out of the miracles of God. They are there right before us. Matthew 4, 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness amongst the people. Hallelujah. Matthew 8, 16. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. He drove out those demons with the word and he healed all the sick. Hallelujah. This is the God we have. And not only did Jesus heal the sick, here's the good news, He also sent His disciples to do the same. He didn't just heal them, but He sent His disciples out to do the same. Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, when Jesus had called the 12 together, what did He do? He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Hallelujah. My point is this, brothers and sisters, Jesus has the power to heal and He has given us also the authority to do the same. I'm a firm believer that the general review will of God in the Bible is for us to pray for healing. See, that's the general review will of God. Unless and until God tells me otherwise, I will always pray for healing and believe God to move according to to our faith and believe God to heal. Now, I know that we are all living in the already, but not yet. In other words, the kingdom is already here, but not yet in its fullness. So we understand that, okay? Now, can God choose not to heal? Of course, God is sovereign. But to heal or not to heal is for God to decide, not for us. You and I only have scriptural authority to pray for the sick to be healed, to pray for the oppressed to be set free, and to pray for the lost to be safe. Isn't that right? We don't have the prerogative to say, I think this one cannot be healed. I think this one will not be saved. <laughs> no, we don't have the prerogative to do that. We only have scriptural authority 
to pray for the sick to be healed, for the oppressed to be set free, and for the lost to be saved. And if God chose to do outside of that, that's His sovereignty, not ours. You okay? <laughs> you look so serious. Okay, what if healing does not happen? What if I pray for the person and healing didn't happen? I tell you what I'll do. I will continue to pray in faith until either the miracle happens or God chooses to take that person home. And when God does that, He will heal him or her once and for all, the other side of heaven. Faith does not begin at a point when we see the sick get healed. Faith begins at a point when we are willing to pray for the sick and trust God to heal. That's when faith begins. Not when we see the healing happen, it's when we are willing to pray. And I want to challenge all of us to have courageous faith to preach the gospel, heal the sick, set the captives free. But at the same time, we need to capture Jesus' priority of the spiritual over the physical, the, the unseen over the seen. And I'll tell you why. An overemphasis on our physical well-being can result in consumeristic Christianity. An overemphasis on just our temporal well-being, whether it is health or wealth or self, can result in consumeristic Christianity. It is the seedbed for the health and wealth prosperity gospel. I think that's what it is. Miracles, signs and wonders is for the preaching of the gospel. If we divorce the signs, miracles and wonders from meeting the needs of people, from preaching the gospel, I think we miss the point. If we take signs, wonders and miracles totally and turn it inward to ourselves, I just want to live in health, I just want to live in wealth, you miss the whole point. The power of God is man for the gospel because God is concerned. Jesus cares more for our eternal spiritual well-being more than our temporal physical well-being. And the surprising twist for me in this story is when Jesus declared, friend, your sins are forgiven rather than be healed. And this, that was what incurred the wrath of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. And that brings me to my final point. My final point is this. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, Jesus not only had compassion for the needy personally, He not only had the power to heal holistically, I think He has the authority to forgive our sins completely. He has the authority to do that. When Jesus declared, friend, your sins are forgiven, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law started thinking, who is this fella who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sin but God alone? How audacious is this carpenter to take on the role of God to forgive sin? They knew instantly what is happening here. They knew instantly that Jesus was declaring himself to be God. And that to them is blasphemous. And you notice that they were thinking in their mind. They, they have all these thoughts, but they never verbalize it. But Jesus, through a word of knowledge, perceived that what they were thinking. And then Jesus turned to them and said, why are you thinking these things in your heart? And then Jesus asked them a very insightful question. And the question was this, in Luke 5.23, which is easier, he asked them, to say that your sins are forgiven 
or to say, get up and walk. In short, is it easier to forgive sin spiritually or to heal the sick physically? That's a good question, right? Which is easier? To say your sins are forgiven or to say rise up and walk? What do you think? What do you think? Which is easier? How many of you think it's easier to say your sins are forgiven? Okay. How many think better, easier to say rise up and walk? Okay. Quite balanced. How many of you don't know what I'm asking? (laughs) You ask me, Benny, which is easier? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or easier to say get up and walk? I think the answer really depends from whose perspective? From whose perspective? Because from our perspective as humans, as, as people, from our perspective, I think it's easier to just declare your sins are forgiven. Why? Because that's not verifiable. You know, anyone can declare that. You know, who cannot stand up and say your sins are forgiven? How cannot verify? <laughs> no way to verify, right? But it's just a proclamation and anyone can make it. After all, they're just words. But humanly speaking, I think it's harder to be able to declare to a, sick, to a, a paralyzed man, you get up and walk. And then you have to see it happen right before your eyes because it's a verifiable minis- uh, miracle. It either happened or it didn't happen. If you go up to the person and he says, get up and walk, then nothing happened. Guess what? You are called out. You are finished, you know. You have just lost, lost it, right? You have been proven wrong on the spot. And that is hard. That's from human point of view. But from God's point of view, listen carefully, from God's point of view, it is nothing for God to heal the sick. Jesus had done it many times before, prior to this incident. Jesus had been healing the sick all this while. But for Jesus to be able to say, your sins are forgiven, took him everything. It cost him everything to be able to say, your sins are forgiven. Why? Because it requires him to go to the cross. It calls for the shedding of his precious blood. It means separation from his heavenly father. It brings suffering and death. And that's what it cost Jesus to be able to say, your sins are forgiven. The forgiveness of our sin is going to cost Jesus everything. If you ask me, how much does Jesus love me? I would say it's this much. By going to the cross, it was the ultimate picture of his love. And for Jesus to be able to say, your sins are forgiven, it costs everything. The good news is that Jesus was willing to do everything it takes so that your sins can be forgiven, so that my sins can be forgiven, so that your sicknesses can be healed and my sickness can be healed in Jesus' name. And to authenticate his authority to do both, just to prove to the Pharisees and the, and the doubters in their midst to authenticate his authority to do both, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, he then turned to the paralyzed man and he says, I tell you, get up, take up your mat and go home. And immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, went home praising God. 
And in so doing, brothers and sisters, Jesus proved that he has authority to both heal the sick and to forgive our sickness, uh, forgive our sins completely. And I think that healing actually proved Jesus' identity as the Son of God. He showed us that he was not merely a man. He's not just a teacher. He's not just a prophet. But he is the one who alone can forgive our sin. He is the healer of the total man, spirit, soul, and body. And brothers and sisters, I want you to know that signs, wonders, and miracles, they are not for the purpose of grammarizing the preacher. It's not to make the preacher's ministry more anointed. It is to authenticate the preaching of the gospel. I want to see signs, wonders, and miracles, but for what? It's not so that I can show everybody I'm more powerful, but for what? For one thing, authenticate the preaching of the gospel. You know, in Acts chapter 2, verse 22, this is what Peter said on the day of Pentecost. He says, fellow Israelites, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you. How how was he accredited? Accredited by miracles, signs and wonders, which God did amongst you through him. So you yourselves know. How did God authenticate the ministry of our Lord Jesus? Through miracles, signs and wonders. And there are signposts that actually point us to Jesus, who is our way maker, miracle worker, you know, and promise keeper. And the truth is this, friends, we should never chase after signs, wonders, and miracles, but let signs, wonders, and miracles follow the preaching of the word. That when we preach the word, people can see that our God is real. And Jesus is God. And nothing is impossible with him. And this morning, I have good news for you. The same Jesus who heals and forgives in the gospel is here to do the same. How can I be sure of this? It's because Jesus proved his authority and sealed it. He didn't just prove it to that miracle, he sealed it. You know how? Actually, by going to the cross, shedding his precious blood, died, was buried, but most importantly, he rose again to seal this deal. It was the resurrection of Jesus Christ that ultimately proved everything. Acts 17, verse 30 and 31. Listen to this. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to do what? To repent. Because he has fixed the day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man, referring to Jesus, whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all of us. How? By raising him from the dead. The resurrection of Jesus Christ gave us the assurance that the forgiveness of our sin and the restoration of our body, soul, and spirit is sealed. It's guaranteed. It's because Jesus rose again. Today, we serve a resurrected Savior. A resurrected Savior who saves us body, soul, and spirit. Every aspect. He has so much compassion for us. He has so much power to act on our behalf. And He has authority to decide that. And this is the God we serve. And this is the God we must put our faith in. What we need is faith. 
faith to believe that all this is for us. Faith in the, in the Jesus who has compassion to care for us, who has power to act on our behalf, and He has authority to will it. Amen. This is the God that we serve. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. This morning, will you build faith in each one of us? Faith to believe that you care about the things that we are going through. You care about the struggles we have. You care about the weakness that we have. You care about addictions. You care about our struggles. You care about our sicknesses. You care about our diseases. And you had the power to act on our behalf. And God, you, most of all, you have that authority to will it. You have the authority to decide and you are sovereign and we yield to you. And we say, God, you are sovereign. You are good and you will bring your will to pass. So come and act on our behalf this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand to your feet with me this morning? I want us to take a few moments to just allow these things to sink in. Let's not be in a hurry to rush anywhere, but just take a few moments, allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us and to speak to us. I want you to respond to the Word of the Living God this morning. We have a Jesus who is compassionate towards the things that we are going through. And I believe that this compassionate Jesus is here to meet with us and to minister to us. If you are here this morning and you have a need in your, in, in your heart, need in your life, I want you to know that we can exercise faith in this wonderful God who is compassionate towards us. But more than that, He has the power to act on our behalf. He has the power to intervene in our situations and circumstances. And He has the authority to turn things around. Thank you, Lord. If you are here this morning and you've also, you have not known Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Saviour, I want you to know that Jesus is here. And He is the God who, has, who alone has the power to forgive sins. He alone can turn our lives around. If you are here and you've, don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord, a personal Lord and Saviour, I would love to have an opportunity just to lead you in the prayer and then invite you to let Jesus come into your life, forgive you of your sin and make you a new person. And what we need to do is to repent, turn away from all our wrongdoings and to say, God, I turn away from my sin and I turn towards you and let Jesus come in and make a difference in your life. So in a few moments, I'm going to provide, I want to lead you, if you are here, in a prayer to do that. And then I want to invite those of you who may need prayer this morning, that you can come and allow our ministry team to pray for you before I dismiss you. So if you are here this morning and you don't know Jesus, but you, you say, Brother Benny, please pray for me. I'd like Jesus to come into my life. Then would you pray this prayer after me? Okay, and congregation, you can join me in praying this prayer. If you need to pray this prayer to let Jesus come into your life, would you pray after me? Say, Lord Jesus, 
I am a sinner. My life is full of sin. But this morning, I know that Jesus came. He died on the cross, shed His blood so that my sins can be washed away. So I turn away from all my sinful ways and I turn to you. Would you forgive me of my sin? Make me a new person. I receive Jesus into my heart and make you Lord and Saviour of my life. From this day on, help me to know you and to walk with you. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for the promise in your Bible that if I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, then I can be saved. Today I believe and I confess Jesus is Lord. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, Amen. 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 If you believe that prayer that you just prayed, and I want you to know that Jesus come into your life, forgive you of your sin. And today, you are a Christian and you can walk with Him.